Welcome back to the United Pubcast. Unfortunately, Larry and I couldn't sort of sync our schedule this this week to meet at the pub and have a bit of a beer and chat all things Manchester United. So I was just scrolling through Twitter in regards to okay, what sort of topic can I get out and just sort of, sort of share my thoughts on this week. And I um, yeah, opened up Twitter, scrolled through, and as things stand, at the time of recording, it does look like Saudi Arabia have just tabled a bid for Kylian Mbappe for around £300 million. Pound and I don't know how much they're going to pay him, £700 million for one season, potentially before he likely goes off to Real Madrid in a year's time. Now, how reliable this news is, I'm not sure, but it does look like it is breaking from fairly reputable sources. And look, that's nothing to do with Manchester United. Now, I'm sure someone will link Mbappe to Manchester United, no doubt. But the news itself between Saudi Arabia, Mbappe and PSG has absolutely nothing to do with Manchester United. But it just got me thinking in and around, so sort of what does this mean in regards to, if, let, let's draw up a hypothetical situation, if he was to join Manchester United, what would that look like, what would that like, look like tomorrow, what would that look like in 12 months time when he's pushing for a move to Real Madrid, and um, in terms of what we get joy um, out of as Manchester United fans, yes we do need the shiny new toys, the, the world's best players, of course that is a huge part of Manchester United's history, of course, but also a huge part, and probably a more important part in my opinion is the next Kylian Mbappe. Now, I'm not, I don't think there's another Kylian Mbappe in our academy, but you know what I mean. Who's the next superstar? Kylian Mbappe has definitely already arrived. And in terms of, can we fall in love with the next player who's going to come through, who's going to break into the scene, be the next Cristiano Ronaldo, the next Wayne Rooney. Obviously, we did spend big money on Wayne Rooney. The next Marcus Rashford, the next Ryan Giggs, etc. Okay, who's one of our own? And I truly think, now, I'll drop a hypothetical. If Kylian Mbappe was to arrive at Old Trafford, Obviously, you'd fall in love. What a brilliant player to have. Mbappe v. Haaland, City v. United. Like It would be absolute blockbuster viewing. But with the baggage he would bring, and a lot of this isn't through his own sort of wrongdoing. I fully understand that, so I'll not throw too much sort of criticism at Mbappe's doorstep himself. But the baggage that does come with him, the business that he represents, and again, that's not his doing, but the business around Saudi Arabia, Qatar, PSG, etc., it just comes with so much baggage and ultimately you are going to be met with a situation in a year's time where he is throwing his toys out of the prem. He wants a piece of the club. He wants to move on to a new club sort of thing and you just think, well, was it worth it? Now, is it worth it if he brings your Champions League or Premier League? Potentially it is, but I don't think it is, if you know what I mean. And I'm just thinking... Yes, you'd welcome Mbappe the player, but I would honestly, I was just thinking in regards to you, you're seeing these numbers float around Twitter in regards to what he's going to be earning a year, what, a month, a week, a second, etc. And it's scary. It's sad when you do see the sort of the challenges the world is facing at the moment. It just got me thinking, I would like to play Mbappe, but really, I would far, genuinely, I would much prefer watching a Manchester United youth player come through on, say, 5000 10000 pounds a week. I say that like it's pocket change. Like You obviously love to be in that position, but in terms of someone coming through on an academy contract, five ten k a week, I'd, I'd much prefer to see that over Kylian Mbappe at the moment. Now, obviously, the Kylian Mbappe is very more likely to achieve and sort of guarantee results over an academy product. But Manchester United is more than just results. Um, it is about stories. It is about sort of giving youth a chance. And, and I don't think Manchester United are in a position now where they're going to choose between Mbappe or a youth player. I just mean in regards to a holistic debate, in regards to what do we want to, or what do we prefer as Manchester United fans. Um, this type of business where you are dealing with states and a £300 million transfer for one season and a billion pound in wages for one season, I just think, or do you want, yeah, the next Marcus Rashford to come through. Who's the next star? What gives you more joy? Do you get more joy out of sort of immediate success, trophies, goals, excitement, the flashing lights, or sort of Manchester United at its core in regards to the Busby Babes, the class of 92, which might take patience. It might take time. There's sort of ups and downs along the road. 
no doubt about that. But I think those downs are just as important and they make those sort of ups feel a little bit more higher. So um, for me, I'm just going to, yeah, I've just made my point. I said on Twitter, I had a discussion with one or two people. I'll take a, I don't know, who's your next player off the ranks? Let's say an Ahmad or a Fernandez, obviously different position, Kobe Mayno, etc. I'd much rather see them make a few mistakes out at Old Trafford on a few thousand pound a week rather than buy Kylian Mbappe, win us the Premier League and then shoot off to Real Madrid in a year's time. Um, definitely. So it is crazy news that he's breaking at the moment. But I just thought in regards to get this podcast out, just sort of pen one or two thoughts in and around that situation. But um, tied into Manchester United in regards to those youth players who I'd much prefer to see at Old Trafford over Kylian Mbappe and what the future does look like for them. Because we have to be realistic. We'd love to see a team like the class of 92 or we'd love to see 11 academy products out, out there on the pitch, of course. Now, is that realistic? No. And should that be the case? No, that shouldn't be the case. Manchester United still does need to go and buy and invest in world-class talent, no doubt. But I just want to have a look at those players and, okay, which one or two can come through and what is the best sort of path into the first team for them? Is that a loan deal or not? Because there are many interesting players in regards to the Manchester United sort of youth setup who are on that verge. Should they be in the first team? Are they good enough for the first team? Do they need a loan? Can they get enough football under Eric Ten Hag? So I think I'll just go through one or two youth players and um, whether you call them youth players, that, that, that younger category of players at Manchester United and what I believe the sort of future should and, and could potentially hold for them and what I think is likely going to happen um, in regards to Eric Ten Hag's decision-making. And again, just talk more about Manchester United's youth setup. what's important to us as Manchester United fans rather than the breaking news that is all over Twitter and YouTube at the moment in regards to Kylian Mbappe's um, obscene business. Look, so I am going to look at sort of loans and pretty much I don't want to sort of sell any of these players. Now, maybe selling these individual players is potentially what's best for both club and the individual. But I'm also want to have a discussion in and around, not your likes of, okay, Harry Maguire, we would sell him. Your Anthony Martial, you would sell him. If you wanted to get rid of Scott McTominay, you would sell him. You wouldn't loan Scott McTominay sort of thing. So instead of a sort of a keep or sell, I'm looking at a contribute to the first team or loan them out. What's better for their progression? What's better for Manchester United? Um, can they come and contribute to a, a successful season now? Or can they? is it better? Are they going to contribute more in three or four years' time if they have a successful loan sort of spell? So I want to look at that sort of situation. It just got me thinking in regards to... We, we all play this game because we see so many other clubs in terms of loan their young players out and they come back more experienced. But we we do that at Manchester United so often, there's no doubt about that. We're gonna Here I am going to list all these players I do want loaned out. But go cast your mind back in terms of do we really have that many sort of successful stories in regards to players who we have sent out on loan and come back and been, been proper Manchester United players or gone on to go and have a successful career? There aren't many. Now, I'm sure there's one or two that sort of I've forgotten about, but just with the, the two or three that spring to mind, the, the obvious one I think a lot of people would sort of point to is David Beckham obviously having a bit of a spell at Preston North End. He played a handful of games, I think. Probably no more than five games, maybe five or six games. Now, maybe someone could correct me, but I believe that is the case. So, yes, he did go get a spell. Now, in that five or six games, he might have learned an absolute bucket full and sort of learn a lot of sort of off-field experiences as well. So I'm sure the experience was invaluable, but he didn't go and have a season at Preston North End, which a lot of the, the sort of the feeling um, off the back of that loan was. He only played a handful of games. So I don't know if that you'd put that in a category of a successful loan or not. I'm not sure. And the, the other two that sort of spring to mind to me, and as I said, if I have forgotten any, get in touch with me via Twitter or Facebook or whatever to have a bit of a discussion. But the only other two that really spring to mind in regards to players who have come back and sort of had a success at Manchester United would be um, Johnny Evans uh, had a spell at Sunderland. Um, I think Matty, I forget how long he was at Sunderland, but he's there a while and sort of had his spell at United, then went away to Sunderland and came back and ended up being um, 
sort of quite a very good defender in my opinion for Manchester United. And here we are today. He's back a Manchester United player. Um, and I would actually look. I know it's not the right answer to keep him in the squad um, long term this season. I'm fully aware of that. But just the way I, lo- I like Johnny Evans, I- I'd love to see it. Me personally, and I'm obviously having a Manchester United Premier League winner in there. Um, obviously helps, but um, yeah, Johnny Evans obviously going to Sunderland. I thought that was a good move for him coming back and um, being very important for Manchester United. And keeping the Sunderland theme, um, Danny Welbeck. Um, Danny Welbeck went and scored a couple of goals at Sunderland. I remember um, he can get in a run away at Stamford Bridge. I believe Sunderland beat Chelsea once, or one of the very good Chelsea teams, 3-0 away at the bridge. Danny Welbeck get, getting a goal. So Danny Welbeck went and cut his teeth as well at the Stadium of Light and came back and, um, yeah, had, had a very good look. He, did, he wasn't Wayne Rooney or Andy Cole or, or anyone up front, but in terms of a young player coming through at Manchester United, he did a lot better than most. So um, I think he was a sort of, you'd call a success at Old Trafford, and um, you'd have to say a lot of that was off the back of his loan spell to Sunderland. We'll get into Sunderland alone when we get into Amad, I'm sure, but um, maybe that is where we should be sending our players on loan, because the two successful ones for me, potentially throw Amad in there as well, is obviously Johnny Evans and um, Danny Welbeck, so um, fair play to Sunderland. They must be doing something right with their young players, but um, yeah, I just go back through those names. I think a lot of us just say, oh, yeah, send them out on loan, we'll get them back in a year, and they'll be this new and improved player. But you go back through the history and you look at the last 30 years, I can name three. But you know, we think it's something that it should be done every single season, but three in 30 years, and two of those in terms of Welbeck and Johnny Evans were pretty much in the same class. Um, interesting way of looking at it. Now, if there are any I've forgotten, which I'm sure there are, do let us know. But um, yeah, very interesting one. So I'm going to look at now, as I said, um, some of the youth players coming through. As I said, youth slash the young, younger category of players and what I do believe is best for their, um, not not just their individual career, but how they can most benefit Manchester United. Can Eric Ten Hag rely on them to sort of provide a successful season this season, or is it better off if we're, we get five or ten years out of them down the track if they have a uh, loan spell or two this season? So um, do let us know your thoughts. I won't go through the whole youth team or anything. I'll just go through the names that sort of in and around the tour and sort of making waves, and um, yeah, let us know your thoughts. So the first one off the ring, um, Kovar. I really like him. I, I, I think he... Um, and look, he's off the back of already a very successful loan to um, Sparta Prague as well, obviously winning the league in the Czech Republic and obviously a young goalkeeper going there and winning the league. Um, you obviously got something about you. So it's the definition of a successful loan. He's playing football and he's winning games at the highest level and winning trophies. So an absolutely brilliant loan spell for Kovar. Goalkeeper is such an interesting area, though, in regards to their future because we have just signed a big goalkeeper, so Kovar's not getting into the first team. So what do you do with Kovar, and what does he want in his career? I think this is very much down to potentially his decision. Now, maybe in terms of the outfield players, it doesn't come down to their decision, just their own sort of personal preference. Maybe Eric Ten Hag, the best thing here is actually sit down with Kovar and what does he want? And potentially, if he wants to be a Manchester United goalkeeper in terms of being the backup goalkeeper, that spot is yours. But if you want to progress with your career, you have to be honest with him. Simply that is not going to happen at Manchester United. And I feel very sort of hard done by for that, for for his sake in regards to. Yeah, it just uh, you got one position there. Um, it's not like okay, you can play it right back and then you can play it right wing back or central midfield. And there's three or four areas. There's only one goalkeeper, and the one goalkeeper is going to play ninety-five to ninety-nine percent of the games a season. So there is simply no. Unfortunately, there is no future for Kovar as a Manchester United first-choice goalkeeper unless Onana um, was to unfortunately get injured or something at the start of the season. Um, that is the only sort of path into the first team. So for me, I would like to see Kovar stay as a backup goalkeeper. Um, in regard, I think he'd be a perfect deputy um, deputy for Andre Onana. I think we've seen him pre-season. Brilliant with his feet. Obviously, commands his area. Very good goalkeeper. Young. And as I said, in regards to this topic, which I started the um, podcast with, 
is a Manchester United youth product. That is what you want to see. We we have far too sort of few um, currently in the first team. Um, I think in our minds, we sort of we always think we have a team full of them. We don't unfortunately. A lot of our players are signings. We do love our signings, but I would, uh, as I said, in terms of rather than all the shiny new toys like Kylian Mbappe, I'd love a team full of of youth academy products. So I'd love to see Kovar and to take that reserve spot as a Manchester United goalkeeper on the bench. But ultimately, it is his career and it is his future he has to think about. And really, while I do think he'd provide very good cover and contribute to Manchester United, he's simply he's not going to make that decision. Now, I wouldn't lose any sleep if he does, and I'll praise him for it because what a commitment that shows to Manchester United. But I do think, Kovar, you don't even loan him out now. I think you do need to sell him, unfortunately. Um, but if he chooses to stay, I'll definitely love to see. But but um, I think Kovar will make the decision to say, okay, you just sent, spent fifty million on Andre Onana. He's going to be your goalkeeper. Not only not only this year, but he's probably going to be your next goalkeeper. Hopefully for Manchester United, say for the next ten years. Can I sit on the bench for ten years? Look, you're probably going to pay me handsomely, but I'd prefer to get on with my football career. So I, I talked about this in regards to not so much selling players, but I think with the, in the Kovar case, unfortunately, probably has to be because what what benefit would we get? out of loaning him out. We know he can perform out in senior football. We know he can win trophies. Well, we know he can perform like that. So I don't think we're going to learn anything by a new loan and say, okay, come in. Oh, oh hang on. Now you're above Onana. I don't think that's going to be the case. So I think, unfortunately, with Kova, I would like to see him stay and be a backup goalkeeper, but I also wouldn't stand in the way of his career and wanting to be um, the best goalkeeper he can be. And unfortunately, just down to time in and circumstance, that's unfortunately going to be away from Old Trafford. So moving forward up the pitch, and we'll just move out to left-back and Alvaro Fernandez. Now, this is where it gets interesting because I think Kovar was a very straightforward answer um, because of obviously the, the arrival of Andre Onana. But Alvaro Fernandez is fascinating. Um, we've signed Terrell Malassia for around 13 14 million potentially around around this time last year. So um, not a big money signing, but obviously 13 14 million. It's it's an investment. There's no doubt about that. And he's a young player, and I think Terrell Malassia did actually quite well last season. There were there were a few downs, but um, considering what he is and sort of the, the price tags other players go for, I thought Terrell Malassia did very well. Um, whether he's going to be the future left back when Luke Shaw um, eventually slows down, I'm not sure, but no pun intended. But you know what I mean? I don't think Malassia is nailed on to be Manchester United's future left back. Now, that's not to say we should be selling him or anything, but I think Luke Shaw has that nailed down. It's about the backup left back now in regards to, is it Terrell Malassia or even Elvaro Fernandez? Now, the reason I do think Elvaro Fernandez is in a very sort of tricky spot and a bit of a unique situation, he, he has had that loan spell at, at Preston, as I said, with David Beckham. He has gone to Preston and performed quite well. Their fans did rave about him, and he has that year of senior football under his belt. So now you come back, and what, what do you send him on another line? Now, that is a potential option because he is so young, and Troll Molassia is obviously um, adequate cover for Luke Shaw. So on paper, you think this could very well still be a sort of quite easy decision for both Alvaro Fernandez and Eric Ten Hag. Go get another loan spell and sort of prove yourself again, and then we'll evaluate the situation with Troll Molassia and Luke Shaw. But what I would say in terms of what I have seen of Alvaro Fernandez and the attributes he does possess, I would actually, and I like I do like Terrell Malassia, but me personally, I would potentially look at giving Fernandez the opportunity to take that backup spot at left back. Now, that, again, that's not to say Terrell Malassia is not good enough and Terrell Malassia shouldn't be afforded the opportunity to be our backup to Luke Shaw. But I just think in regards to the attributes and the, the traits Alvaro Fernandez has, I do see a player there. And I do think he has that year of senior football now he needs to be given the opportunity. Now the opportunity is not to be Manchester United's first choice left back. I think that would take an absolute miracle for him to take that from Luke Shaw this season. But I do think he can have that backup. But then it comes back to the debate. 
do does Alvaro Fernandez think he will develop as a, as needed as a footballer being a backup and playing sort of 10 15 20 games this season or can he go and guarantee 30 or 40 games of senior football and that is what is best for his development Eric Ten Hag might think okay training with Manchester United understand his way of play and, and Luke Shaw's sort of slowing down in a year in two years time Alvaro Fernandez can slip in and it's the right decision to keep him at the club now or will he um benefit more from constant senior football over the next year or two I'm not sure what that answer is usually the answer would be alone um continue that football at his age of play needs games there's no doubt about that but I just look at it from what I have seen um, I potentially do have him above Terrell Molassi. Now, Terrell Molassi obviously has far more experience, um, so especially in regards to continental football, etc. But um, I would like to see Fernandez potentially given that chance. But it is a, such a tricky spot, though, because if he doesn't get that chance and Terrell Molassi keeps that spot, Alvaro Fernandez kicking around in the reserves after after a season of senior football at Preston, that's simply not good for his development. So then you kick the can down a year down the road and um, what position is Alvaro Fernandez in? He's probably not in a good one. So maybe the option for Alvaro Fernandez is another loan, even though I would personally like to see him given that um, chance to take that backup swap. A very interesting one with Alvaro Fernandez. I do think there is a play there and I do think there is a realistic opportunity that he is kept around this season, potentially not even just as a left back in regards to cover for... Shaw and Malassia, but potentially left centre-back. He's a big boy, and obviously he's going to grow a little bit more. So, um, Alvaro Fernandez, I have a feeling there's a real possibility he stays at Manchester United this season. I would love that, but I also think it could come down to potentially his decision as well, and look what's in front of him, and he might be actually the one to knock on Eric Ten Hag's door and say, boss, look, I'd love to stay here, but given the situation, I've tasted senior football, I need a little bit more of it. So Alvaro Fernandez, I'm 50-50 on what's going to happen or what even should happen there. Um, interesting one for sure. Now moving forward into midfield, no doubt here. Kobe Mainu, he stays. Now, again, logic would say loan him out, he needs senior football, of course, but I, I just think in regards to what Ten Hag has shown us at Ajax, in terms of also what Manchester United shows us throughout history in regards to giving the young players a chance, well, we have seen of Kobe Mainu playing. Now, not playing over Casemiro or Eriksen or Bruno Fernandes or anyone, but I think he can contribute to the squad. Now, yes, he would ext- he would benefit extremely from senior football somewhere else, of course, but I just think, yeah, you, you go back to Manchester United's great youth players who have come through. You look back at that class of 92, okay, David Beckham did get that loan to Preston, but only a very sort of small sample size, but you Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, Gary Neville, Nicky Butt, Phil Neville thrown in the deep end. They did have experienced pros around them, which we do in our team. We have Varane, Casemiro, Bruno Fernandes, Marcus Rashford goes into their category of an experienced professional now. And I just think it, it, we have to take the risk on someone. Now, obviously, I, I think in a wide area like an Alejandro Ganacho sort of thing, okay, the, the, it's a little bit easier to take risks on, on wide players in regards to you sort of throw them out there, see what can happen last 20 minutes. They can sort of bed themselves in. Throwing someone in, in central midfield is a risk. Um, it, it's very sort of... You need a lot of tr- uh, the manager needs to place a lot of trust in that individual, in regards to sort of relying on them week in week out in the center of the park in terms of that engine room. And I just think Kobe Maynard, in regards to the place he would have around him uh, and the skills and attributes he does possess, I think it's worth giving him the shot uh, of having a career at Manchester United now. But then he could also sit down and say, look, I could probably, yeah, I could see 15, 20 games, um, potentially 80% of those coming off the bench this season, but there's 18, 20 games for Manchester United, which will be invaluable, or I could go get 40 games in the championship. Now, it's it's the old age question, which is the same for all these players in regards to what is better for him at this stage. Logic, again, would suggest go out on loan, but I truly think in regards to what Eric Ten Hag is doing and the quality that he does possess, the future 
could be at Manchester, and potentially in my opinion, should be at Manchester United this season. I think, and look, anyone who listens to this knows I'm a huge fan of Scott McTominay. What I would be looking at now in regards to Everton Hag truly believes Kobe Manu does have that something special. You'd potentially look at, if you just wane up numbers in midfield at the moment, who you got, you got Casemiro, that's one, Ericsson, that's two, Bruno, three, Mason Mount, four. I'm sure there's one or two others I forget. Obviously, you've got Fred and McTominay, let's say one of them stay. There's five or six. So, Kobe Mano at the moment is looking at maybe sixth choice, potentially seventh choice midfield. I'm sure there's a midfield I forgot in there. Um, do let me know. But um, is he going to get minutes as sixth or seventh choice midfielder? You'd on paper probably say not, but then you go through the fixtures in regards to League Cup, FA Cup, sort of dead rubbers in the Champions League. Fingers crossed, not the Europa League, but you know how Manchester United season unfortunately could unfold but um I do I do think he gets his 15 20 games at Manchester United and um I do believe if he gets that at his age 15 to 20 games at Manchester United is more beneficial than 40 games at a Bolton or 40 games at Sunderland in my opinion so um I think with Kobe Man it is straightforward I'd, I wouldn't argue with anyone if they say do loan him out and sort of let's test him in senior football but I don't think that's a wrong argument but in my in sort of what I've seen so far and what, and what I do believe Eric Ten Hag wants to achieve uh, I think this is the player where we take a bit of a risk on and throw him in the deep end. And um, I do believe, from what I've seen, um, he's got enough to he's got definitely enough to swim. Um, so for me, Kobe Manu stays at Manchester. And I wouldn't be even considering a loan at the moment. I do think if um, you could almost put him above Scott McTominay in in regards now, who who can you rely on more in regards to Veritan Hag has a an FA Cup semi-final next week. Obviously, you throw Scott McTominay in there, of course, in terms of the experience and, and the stature, of course. But in regards to if Manchester United are playing well this season and winning games, you can sort of you can blood that better player in regards to quality and ability a little bit more rather than have that sort of physical presence in sort of those tough battles. So um, if Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United are on the front foot and progressing well this season, I think it's far more beneficial for Kobe Manu's career to beat Old Trafford this season rather than be out on loan in the championship. Now, just one or two others in regards to who have caught the eye this preseason so far. I think Dan Gore has um, sort of developed quite well. Um, definitely looks a very tidy player. Is he at Kobe Manu's level? Probably not. And then we're having a debate, is Kobe Manu sort of ready? Will he sort of get enough games at Manchester United? And sort of there is a debate or question there. I think the answer is quite obvious with Gore. He's not going to get the first-team football this season. So I think in regards to what we have seen from his physicality in preseason. While well, the physicality, I think, is a strength, I think he's shown he's more than capable of playing senior football. He needs now to go play senior football. So for me, I don't see a future for Dan Gore this season. I don't think him or Eric Ten Hag would see that at Manchester United. I think the best thing for him is definitely to go out on loan and sort of get that year of senior football. And look, from what he has shown in pre-season for Man United, he, um, he should flourish um, out on loan. So best of luck to him, but I think that's a straightforward. You definitely don't sell him, but you definitely don't keep him around, kicking around in the reserves. He definitely needs senior football. And the other one um, in regards to this preseason has caught the eye, in, and I've caught the eye for a few years. Obviously, in Kobe Manu's youth team, Alejandro's Ganacho's um, youth team is Hanson Aaron, the young Norwegian kid. Now, in terms of ability and sort of passing the eye test, he's absolutely brilliant to watch. Lovely little player. It's obviously, though, and look, it's hard when you talk about physicality. Oh, they need that physicality to sort of succeed in the men's game. The best player in the world, Lionel Messi, obviously didn't have that physicality. He was able, he was good enough to be able to cope. So um, it's not to throw. Okay, Isaac Hansen needs to test himself because he's not big enough. But yeah, he just severely lacks that physicality. There's no doubt about that. And will he ever get that? I'm not sure. We look at Angel Gomez, obviously that sort of hand, but his time at Manchester United ability unreal. 
managers found it very hard to trust him just simply because of the physicality aspect, which is so important in terms of, yes, we can sort of show patience and sort of watch a player progress, but a manager needs results on Saturday. The manager, unfortunately, doesn't have time, and that's not to be critical of the manager. It's not like it was in the 80s or 90s. Eriten Hag needs to win Saturday. He needs to win Wednesday. He needs to win the following Saturday. He can't rely on waiting for a player to be ready. So Hanson Aaron, I think in regards to ability, I'd love to see a career at Manchester United because I think he's a brilliant player. But um, he's going to unfortunately have to go and test himself and show that he can be cut out for senior football because we simply just haven't seen it at the moment. So for me, I definitely wouldn't be selling him. But um, we have to be honest with ourselves. He's not playing first-team football under Eric Ten Hag at Old Trafford this season. So the answer for me for Hanson Aaron um, is to go out on loan. As much as I like him, um, I think unfortunately he does have to go prove himself elsewhere. Now, just the final two others. Uh, These probably go in the same category as Alvaro Fernandez, uh, as I mentioned earlier. But the, the last two for me is Ahmad Diallo and obviously Hannibal. Very interesting cases with both of these because I think I mentioned Sunderland at the start of the podcast in regards to Danny Welbeck and Johnny Evans, their time at Sunderland, how that sort of sort of benefited them in their career. Look at Ahmad, obviously a brilliant loan spell at Sunderland. I think he won their player of the year. He's absolutely brilliant, scored banger after banger. And he's come back to Manchester. Now, he has just picked up an injury, but it does look like he should be okay. But a lot of people are potentially saying he's the one to come back after that loan spell and sort of fit fit in and sort of challenge Anthony, challenge Ganacho, challenge Jaden Sancho. If Jaden Sancho is to be sold, there's a winger, uh, winger's position uh, ready and available. So we do see it as sort of a direct path for Ahmad to sort of contribute to the first team this season. And... Um, I think with Ahmad, as I said, I wanted to sort of stay away from sort of selling plays in this debate. And I'm not saying sell him, but in regards, I don't think another loan is um, required here. I think we have seen him in senior football. He's either good enough, Eric Tenhag either believes he's good enough for Manchester United now, or he's not. And I think that decision does have to be made because I don't think he can prove anything else in um, the championship. What's he going to do? Have it go have, have another good season? Do we want to risk sort of loaning, loaning him to a Premier League club? I don't really like that business because I think if we're loaning into a Premier League club I think that club would unfortunately be sort of in and around the relegation battle are they got to be relying on Ahmad I don't think he would potentially get the minutes so you you wouldn't really sort of favour a Premier League loan let's send him to the championship well he's done that I don't think we're going to learn anything so for me I'm not completely certain I do like Ahmad I think he's got unreal ability I think he has a future in the game me personally I just don't see it at Manchester you know I just don't see him being this huge success and you don't need to be a huge success to be good for Manchester United so I don't need that sort of world-class ability I just have questions and again a lot of that might be unfortunately down to the physicality in regards to we don't have the most physical wingers anyway but um, I, I just don't see I think Anthony plays over him I think Marcus Rashford plays over him on the left I just don't think he will re- really get those minutes he does need to develop into the player we potentially think he sort of could be so Ahmad's so interesting I wouldn't lose any slipper and I'd welcome him to be part of the squad this season but I just have a feeling I don't think a loan is going to benefit him and I don't think he will sort of play enough games so I think if I'm Eric Ten Hag I, I, don't, I haven't heard any rumours at all about him being sold so I don't think that's even on the table but potentially if I'm playing a video game here a FIFA football manager potentially looking at selling Ahmad and I don't want to do that because I do like him but in regards to his future, I just don't know where it sits with Ahmad at the moment. Um, and look, at his ability, it, it could be the squad. He could be absolutely brilliant for Manchester United and sort of take us to the next level. And fingers crossed that is the case. I just don't see it. And I don't know I don't know what the career, what the future does hold for Ahmad. It's a very interesting one. But um, yeah, let us know your thoughts because it could go one or two ways and I just have no idea which way. And the last name in regards to the ones I got off the top of my head when I started this podcast, as I mentioned just before there with... Um, 
Ahmad, um, let's go for Hannibal now. Again, interesting in regards to he's had the year of senior football. Birmingham fans um, did sort of appreciate and respect his time there. Um, did very well. I think he won player of the month once or twice there. So um, proved himself um, in regards to senior football. Has sort of represented Tunisia as well at senior football and the World Cup. So the way he plays the game as well, he's got that physical edge. He's not the biggest guy. He has grown. He has had a bit of a growth spurt in recent years. But probably a little bit bigger than what he does look. But he's quite slight. He's quite thin in regards to when we're eyeing up someone's physicality. Potentially does look like he's lacking there a little bit. But he's a big boy. We have seen him sort of get around the pitch at Anfield, start kicking people, which we absolutely love. Now, his ability on that day gave away a goal and sort of gave away a yellow card, I think. So a manager's sort of view of Hannibal's performance away at Anfield in that 5-0 defeat wasn't great. But us as fans absolutely loved it. So I do think think a lot of us do have a bit of a soft spot for Hannibal. He gets around the pitch, he's exciting to watch. I think he's got very good ability as well. He's, I think he's unfortunately going to fall victim to the um, Kobe Manu being there. I think if Kobe Manu wasn't there, I think Hannibal would, would provide first-team competition or first-team sort of cover this season at, at Old Trafford. I think Eric Ten Hag likes him. I think Eric Ten Hag wants to see future at Old Trafford for him. But I think now it's going to be a bit of a decision between Kobe Manu or Hannibal. And if you're... I think a lot of us would side on the the fence of Kobe Maynard, and that's not to be critical of, of Hannibal. I just think we do see a bit of a brighter future for Maynard. So I look at the Hannibal situation now. Potentially, if Scott McTominay and Fred are to leave, I do like to see him as a number eight. But um, are Scott McTominay and Fred both going to leave? Potentially, Fred is going to leave. But I think with one of them still there, and let's throw Maynard into the mix, and potentially, who knows, an Amrabat. I'm personally not sold on Amrabat. I'll maybe share my feelings to that on another show. But... Um, yeah, Hannibal again. Unfortunately, what does another loan sort of achieve? He's gone and he's gone and sort of proved himself. He can play senior football at Birmingham on loan in the Championship. Do we need to see that again? Potentially, Hannibal is actually one. Like I said, Ahmad, I don't think you can send to the Premier League, a Premier League club. Potentially, Hannibal, you could. I do think a club that's sort of fight and relegation could potentially rely on Hannibal, and he could get a year of senior football. So, if Hannibal is to be, I wouldn't sell him again. Unfortunately, that might be the only case. I wouldn't be looking to sell him. If a loan, though, I wouldn't be sending the championship. I would be making sure it's a Premier League loan. Um, I do think he would get the minute at the right club, of course. But I do. Th- I don't think he's got to achieve anything in the in the championship or away in the Eredivisie or or the French league. I do think if he, if future is at Old Trafford, it needs to be a, a Premier League loan. Is he going to achieve that? Probably not. Like, well, which clubs it would take Hannibal? I'm sure one or two clubs at the bottom would potentially put their hand up, especially on loan if Manchester United are going to cover the wages. So I think it is something Manchester United can explore. But I think with Hannibal in regards to Ten Hag's thinking, with Kobe Mania in his back pocket, you would have to think it's either come in this season and sell McTominay and Fred, and Hannibal's one of your midfielders who could potentially drift out wide on occasions, but I see him as a number 8 slash 10. Or if you keep a hold of one of McTominay and Fred and you obviously got Kobe Mania coming through, unfortunately loan's not going to sort of tell you anything new, so do you potentially cash in? Now Manchester United sort of don't get the greatest of fees, but I do think Hannibal would get you... Oh, look, look, it's hard. <laughs> I think if he was at Manchester City, he probably goes for twenty million. Um, I think Manchester United would probably get about five million for him. So let's say they'd probably get around twelve or thirteen million for him. I, I'm not sure, but um, I think there is a situation where Hannibal does get sold. Now I'd, I wouldn't like that because I do like him, but in regards to the best for all parties, I think that is a situation or a possibility not many had given thought to. I would like to see him get given a chance in the first team um, this season, but. Um, it's a risky business. Eric Ten Hag needs results, and um, if you have too many people in that midfield. Uh, you might get the results, but you might stunt the growth of one or two individuals, and I think Hannibal is potentially one of those players. So I do think there is a potential where we do sell him, but I do think Eric Ten Hag does um, rate him maybe more than we do think. So stay tuned for a little bit of Hannibal news in the near future, I'm sure of that. 
Yeah, so they're the names that just sort of popped up off the top of my head when I sort of saw that Mbappe news trending about an hour ago and I just thought, oh, I can't be talking about Mbappe and Saudi Arabia deals for billions of dollars sort of thing. I just sort of want to, want to look back at sort of what truly gives you joy as a Manchester United fan. And yes, well, we do like these shiny new toys and these big world-class players that come in, of course, but the true joy of what we get is um these youth players coming through and not just through the academy, sometimes they are young players who are bought, like a Wayne Rooney, you know, that obviously was for a lot of money, but who's a young player, let's say Facundo Palestri, who I haven't even mentioned, okay, we bought him in, Ahmad, we bought him in, they aren't sort of local academy products like a Marcus Rashford, like a Nicky Butt, but they are players who sort of come into the youth system and, and we develop and we, we do have a sort of a special bond with them, so um, they give me far more joy, or they would give me far more joy watching them at Old Trafford next season fighting for the badge rather than spending $300 million on Kylian Mbappe, him coming in, scoring goals and winning us the Premier League, potentially even the Champions League, but then booting off to Real Madrid in six months' time uh, or asking for a move to Real Madrid in a few months' time. I, I'd definitely get my, much more joy out of watching a youth academy product coming through and fighting for United over that potential nonsense that is on some club's doorstep in Saudi Arabia. That is their mess, and I don't think Manchester United should be getting involved in this Mbappe deal. As, as great a player as he is, like what a brilliant player to have in your team, of course. But um, there are more more important things, in my opinion, at Manchester United than good players. Um, I'd rather take a 6 out of 10 player over a 10 out of 10 player if that 6 out of 10 player loves the club and sort of wants to be there for the remainder of their career. So um, something a little bit different. And um, as I said, just sort of reverting back to Manchester United's roots a little bit, uh, sort of trying to avoid this Kylian Mbappe discussion that uh, is trending through Twitter. But um, hopefully you did enjoy that, get something out of it. And um, do let us know your thoughts in regards to just the loan system in general, is it good, is it bad? Thoughts on Manchester United sort of loan history um, and what you think for these players. Um, do get in touch on all the socials at United Pubcast or at my Twitter, TomMUFC8. And um, yeah, let us know your thoughts on the podcast app, whatever that does allow. If you could leave a like, review or rating or comment, whatever that does allow, it'd be very much appreciated. And if you do, do need a little bit more daily content in regards to your match previews, reviews, transfer news, etc., um, obviously head over to United Pubcast on YouTube and subscribe then Larry and I will definitely be keeping the content coming your way but um, until then have a good week week, everyone and um, chat to you next week cheers Rooney oh wonderful